Hello and welcome to Crosstalk with your hosts, Martha Lee and Anna May, a podcast dedicated to encouraging and pointing people to Christ, provoke you to find your calling in the Lord, brought to you by Cornerstone Ministries New Life Church. So join us on a journey to reaching the world for Christ, starting in our own backyard. So sit back, we hope you enjoy the podcast, and we pray it encourages and blesses you. Hello and welcome to Crosstalk. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Debbie Harrison, very good friend of mine that I love very much. Welcome, Debbie. Welcome, Debbie. Welcome, Debbie. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Amen. Glad to have you. So Uncle Amen. Bill's going to open us up and bring us Amen. in with the first question of the day. Okay, Debbie. When did you get saved and where? And what brought you to the decision of accepting Jesus the Christ as your Savior? Uh, I remember... Uh, very well all these years later I was 15 years old I was riding in the truck with uh, my friend Nora and believe it or not Aunt Margie Pepper Amen. Um, and uh, we were driving down Jeff Davis Highway and I you know I imagine they had been ministering to me for a good bit and when they asked me you know was I ready to say the prayers we pulled the truck over to the side of the road Amen. and I got saved right then 15 years so that was almost 40 years ago Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God. A that true traveler savings. That was truck. good. Yes, Amen. it was in the truck. <laughs> Praise God. Anyhow, um, when did you um, feel called to ministry? When? How did you get into your ministry? When did you first feel called? Oh, that was years later. And I have to say, um, I know it's a controversial, I don't normally preach this, but I, I personally feel like salvation and born again, for me, was two different experiences. I said the sinner's prayer when I was 15 years old. I didn't dedicate my life to actually wanting to serve Jesus till I was about 21. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, a meeting in Houston, Texas. I couldn't tell you who was preaching or what they preached on, but I got to tell you, I was just listening to Uncle Bill McKenzie give his, and he, um, when I first went to church, started actively going to church, was in Petersburg. There was a crew, a whole bunch of people in Petersburg at the time, and we would go to this rock church. And I got used to singing the songs. Well, I'm out in uh, Houston, Texas. I had a family member was going to have a baby. And we went out to visit. And like I said, there was a revival. I don't know who was preaching. I don't know what they preached on. What I remember is they sang that song, Shake Off Those Heavy Bands, Lift Up Those Holy Hands. And because I was used to that, I had done it so much at the Rock Church. The only thing I can remember is shaking my hands. And lifting my hand. Uh-huh. And I and we were sitting in the front row, and I said, I don't care if I look like I'm not for doing this. I don't know if anybody else is doing it or not. Believe it or not, that's the memory I have of when I decided that I was going to pursue God with my whole heart and all that it was within me. Amen. I come home from Houston, and I remember in the spirit drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is it. I'll never go back. I'll only go forward. And that's when I actively started studying the Bible. Now, um, when I was in, um, I lived in Delaware the first four years after I got married. And, uh, when I first moved back to Virginia, um, and started going to church here is when I really felt like I belonged to a church. I remember, you know, you have these, I can hardly remember where I was yesterday, but you have these memories, um, that just are as clear today as they ever were. And I remember go to church in Delaware and I went to both churches actually when I lived in Delaware but I remember it was a beautiful day and and I had my windows open and the breeze was blowing through and I just said God I would love to have a church I don't just want to go to church 
I want to have a church. I want it to be my church and feel like it's where I belong. And um, through a supernatural matter of fact, we left Delaware. We, we tripped off in Atlanta for a little bit over the winter. And I had a few women come to my motel room. We had a little ladies meeting right in my room. And one of the girls prophesied to me in that room. And they said, God's about to take you where he'd have you to be. And when you get there, you're going to know it's where he ha- would have you to be. And you're yeah. going to get that fellowship that you've longed for and you've desired. And I never to me thought it would be Richmond. But we came and um, I started going to church. And it was just through faithfulness and through a servant's heart that eventually they just asked me to get up and say a little something at a ladies' meeting. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's funny because I just came across my ordination certificate the other day, cleaned up my bookshelf. Amen. And next year I'll be um, I'll be in ministry twenty years Amen. next year. Well, Amen. Amen. Just starting though, serving and doing in the church. Yeah, that's that's good. Well, that's I good. say to people, I don't ever trust, especially a woman. I know it's a bit different for a man, but when it comes to women, I don't trust. I don't want to listen to a female talk that I haven't seen clean the toilet or keep the nursery. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I'm a man. And I know I, I, um, yeah, you're glad, you got a different set of rules. For women, if you're, if you're not willing to sit in the nursery, you don't have a servant's heart. And the word minister means servant. Amen. And Amen. so I believe we're in an unfortunate, and I, you know, I've, I've actually prophesied, and I, I, God gave me the word, he's done with the superstar preachers now Amen. he's you know we're we're nobody and we're nothing we're just doing whatever he tells us to do and I, and I liken it to like you know if you walk into a restaurant and you have an eight and 40 days when you you want the food <laughs> and so you don't care who brings it to you that's right you know and if and if i've been sitting at a table next to somebody and i see they've got their food and, and the waitress walks away and i look at them and i can see them that they really want to eat the food but they just need the bottle of ketchup but they can't catch the waitress I'll get up and hand them my bottle of ketchup because I see a need. I see that I have what they need, and I just hand them the bottle of ketchup. And to me, that's what ministry is. There's a need. If you've got what it takes to fill the need, fill the need. It's not about a title or an audience or so many people want to go straight from the pew pew to the pulpit and bypass, you know, uh, and, and and I see so many people fall. Because mm-hmm. they think what it is, and it's not. It's Amen. not about glamour, and it's not about people knowing who you are. It's just whatever he tells you to do today. Today he might tell you to preach. Tomorrow he might tell you to drive the ministry to the airport. The next day he might tell you to come back and clean up the church mess. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, man judges the outward, but God knows, you know, he judges the heart. And, and that's how you work your way up. I mean, I write down something, each person, it's like a phrase, each person, it seems like says when we're doing the podcast is, and I wrote down for year one, no superstar preachers. <laughs> we're done with superstars. And that's, that's cause, cause that's my heart. That's kind of how I feel like, you know, the servant's heart. And uh, that, yeah. that was good. That's good. Me and Martha was talking about that. Often you see people that just want to get saved and want to jump on the stage. And that's wonderful. Sometimes that happens, you know. But yeah. they're, they're, you usually, you put up the chairs, you take down the chairs, you pick up the gum yeah. wrappers, you don't want to do it, and then God is the one that opens them doors well, for you. Well, you know, it's actually dangerous. Um, I come up to a, 
um, when I was studying and reading, uh, we would sedate myself. We would buy uh, cassette tapes of certain, you know, a lot of ministries. And, and a lot of the ministers that we used to study under have fallen. And, you know, you see ones that, and, and all I say is, God, I don't want to be divorced. I'd rather be divorced than, I'd rather be married and never preach to no one. I know I'm selfish. It's the same thing with my children. I would rather know all six of my kids are going to heaven than for in the whole rest of the world, world burning hell. I need to do, take care of what God has put in my little world. You know Amen. what I'm saying? And then I know people, I've watched people do it, and that's how I learn, is I learn by watching, and I see so many people where the platform platform went ahead of the character, and, and they got took places where their character couldn't keep them, and you'll see people that are superstar preachers that are found overdosed in a whole home, you know, hotel room with prostitutes or whatever. Matter of fact, one time I watched on TBN a man they had as a guest, and his ministry Amen. was that he had a, a, a counselor, he was a counselor for ministry, and he said, I can't tell you, he said, I, how many pastors I minister to that can't keep up to the expectations because they preached really good, and then everybody expected them to be this. And he said, I've had pastors overdose on crack. They started smoking the crack after they became a pastor because they felt such an intense pressure to keep up with what was, you know, to be right. super dynamic and, you know, uh, have all, and everybody needs to jump and cry. And, and, and that's not, you need to be, have your feet rooted and grounded in God. And, you know, this week I might preach you all the way to heaven and next week I might have to teach you something really boring. But the, the important Amen. thing is to get your assignment from God and, and always remind yourself that's who you're accountable for. When I stand in front of God, when I stand in front of Jesus, and th I say this when I preach, in order for me to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, two things have to happen. Number one, I have to have done something. And number two, I have to have served. Mm -hmm. He's not going to call me a servant if I never serve, and he's not going to tell me well Amen. done if I never did anything. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's good. That's good. Amen. Debbie, I wanted to uh, add something to what you said. I was thinking about it on uh, the ministers that fallen in that. The scripture I meant to say was uh, not a novice lest they fall and bring reproach. And that's what happens if you're not prepared for ministry. Yeah. You can fall and bring reproach. And yeah, it brings reproach to the church or the organization or whatever, but mostly to the poor dear person. They end up getting shipwrecked oh. sometimes, sadly. And yeah, sometimes all the way to death. It's very dangerous. And yeah, yeah and it's a hard time to recover sometimes. So. That was a very good point. Uh, make sure and serve little at first so that when the other comes, it's like growing up a baby. You toilet train them, you take them off the bottle, you learn them to walk, you, all these steps to becoming an adult. And I just wanted to revisit that, you know, and bring in because I really thought that was a, a, a really good well, point. It's, it's integral, um, and you don't hear tons of teaching on character and integrity. You know, when you look up integrity, you'll be, one of the definitions talks about a ship, the integrity of the ship, how well it's built when it's still in the shipbuilders, which is an inside building. It's not sitting in the water. Um, 
is fine. But when you put it out in the ocean and you get one of these big storms and the waves come, will the ship be just as valuable, just as strong and just as sturdy? Mm -hmm. And that's integrity. And that's what is important with, because we know that the higher you go, the greater the temptations in that. And if you don't, even Jesus said to fast for 40 days before he started his ministry. Amen. That's a good point. And at that point he had, yeah, he had the, he had the education as a Jewish man. He was 30 years old. He was, he, since from the time he was 13 to 30, he had studied. So he was well educated, but he had to fast for 40 days before he began his actual ministry. You know, when he come out of the mountain, uh, when is when the Holy Spirit came upon him, but he was tempted in the wilderness. So without passing the temptation in the wilderness, you can't handle the ministry. So the you truth. have to go, that's what the Bible says, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Amen. You'll step in stage, and then you get a little test in the midst of where you think you're at, and that's your checkpoint of, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the anger isn't as far gone as I thought it was. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I can preach love, but when I come Monday morning, someone insults one of my kids, are they going to get shredded? And, <laughs> you know, you get these little tests to see, Everybody can get um, excited and want to share the things they've mm-hmm. learned. And I say that a lot of times, unfortunately, people think that, that they can be preachers, that they can give a good book report. Okay, I read the entire uh, chapter of Mark chapter 9, and now I'm going to tell you what I think it means. That's a book report. A preacher demonstrates with their life the the scripture. You know, I've been there, and, and when I'm at, at Steak and Shake at Tuesday at 2 o'clock and the woman spits on my food, am I a preacher? That's when you'll find out if I'm a preacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. And Praise that God. was a good example, uh, Debbie, about Jesus fasting. And even though we know he was the sinless Lamb of God, but everything yeah. he did was an example for us to follow. He got baptized, yeah. and that was for us yeah. to follow his. Because yeah. John the Baptist didn't want to do it, and he said, "No, no. this must be done." And everything he'd yeah. done was to show us that he was a hundred percent God, of course, and a hundred percent man. But that through him, we'd have that power to be able to fast and to be able to get baptized yeah. and follow his example. And that I never thought about that till you said that he when he started his ministry he went in the desert a difficult time for 40 uh days uh, that was profound debbie really it touched me that he's our example and that we should follow that that was that was Amen. wonderful that was, i was loved good. it Amen. so um we wanted to ask you about your kids and your family is it difficult raising teenagers when you're in the ministry and how important is oh. it for your husband to support you in a ministry it's very, it's integral. I, uh, everything I've done and every place I've went, I've went with my husband's blessing. That being said, at the same time, I also know not to go too far or to push it too much because one of the things, uh, again, something I say all the time as I preach, one of the most, especially for a woman, um, but when you go back to Deborah in the Bible, in, in Judges 4 and 4, it introduces Deborah and it says, Deborah, Common, com, comma, prophetess, comma, wife of um, Lapidoth, comma, was judging Israel at the time. So the point is, she's Deborah first. You're an individual. You're going to stand in front of Jesus individually. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know, your husband, your wife, your children, they're not going to um, 
They're not going to testify for you. You're going to stand there and you're going to be judged individually. So who you are as a human being is the most important thing. Her prophetess was her first title after uh, who she was as an individual became prophetess. That's her anointing. That's the call on her life and her gift. You know, prophecy is a gift. Amen. But third of all, it says she was the wife of Lapidoth even before she was the judge. The judge was her job at the time. It says she was judging Israel at the time. So, in other words, your jobs will come and go, but your, as a wife, is your number one job. It's the most important job after your anointing. I'm going to go, God forbid, my husband passes on before me. I'm going to continue to be a prophetess. I'm going to continue to carry the anointing and, you know, the giftings that God has given me. But my first and most important job is to be the wife. And um, I've even said, you know, when I feel like I'm going too much, I I say, you know, I'm going to reel it in. I'm going to sit home. You know, my husband needs a a dinner cooked. My kids, I have watched ministers travel the globe and watch their children go down paths of destruction. I remember very vividly driving downtown Richmond. Passing the clock, there's the clock downtown Richmond. I remember driving and having a conversation with God and saying to God, I don't want to go save the whole world while my children go to hell. I want to be a mother first. And it's the most important thing to me that my husband and my children are saved. And not just that, that they serve God with their whole heart and all that is within them. And then after that, when I have a little spare time, you know, I'll do other things. Amen. But um, it was very, very difficult because I had six. They were very close together. And I, I did not look next door to my mother. I did not have a built-in nanny or anybody. So they had to go with me. And, you know, oh, it was, there was a lot of times. Yeah, six. And, and they went. You know, if I went, they went. And that's why I spent so much time in nursery and in I taught Sunday school for like nine years. And, and on top of that, I'd stay after it, the revivals and they'd fall asleep on the pew while I vacuumed. You know, they were never an excuse not to do as long as they That's were taken right. care of. Yes. I, I never used them as an excuse, but oh yeah, it took a lot. And, and I still have visions and things that I'd like to do. And every once in a while I pass them by my husband, but I'm at the stage now where, um, I want my husband to go with me because my children are grown. Mm-hmm. So when I throw something in front of my husband, I'll say, God, you know, I said to him like last year, I said, Dad, I'd really like to go here and do this. Go ahead. And he always told me, go ahead. <laughs> and I said, no, I want you to come with me. And he's like, no, thanks. <laughs> said, well, I'm not going out to anymore. You know, my children are gone. That job is over. Just like when Deborah was under the tree, she was judging Israel at the time. That was her job at the time. So uh, it was hard, but my children are just about raised. I'm in a different time. I can do different things, but uh, this, but I still won't go without my husband. Amen. No. Amen. 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 Well, did you have Amen. something, Bill? Uh, yeah, uh, six kids. It was good you rested on the Sabbath. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I've ever heard that one. <laughs> That was a good one. He pulled that one out. That was good. You've been a real blessing. (laughs) You've been a real blessing to us. Praise God. And the joy of the Lord's our strength. Amen. 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 If we can't enjoy the things of God, we're in trouble. We sure are. If we can't find the glory in our heart, which you've been talking about, 
to give us the wisdom and the understanding of what's going yes. on in our lives. Amen. 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 Praise God. Yes. You've blessed me wonderful right now, Amen. really tremendously. Oh, Amen. thank you. And uh, it's really been a joy to me tonight. I usually always read a little scripture, so I may as well read one. Amen. Amen. Okay. First John 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And like you were talking to us, when we listen to God, maybe we don't always do it, but when we go forward and do the things that the Lord shows us to do, it pleases him. And that's what we want to do in this life is please him and pray for the lost, pray for the sick, pray for our own and pray for others. Because the love of God yeah. is the power of God. Amen. Amen. And that's what heals, Amen. delivers, saves, and sets us free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I was going to ask you, um, what is your vision uh, for your church and for our people going forward? What's your vision for us? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. What my vision is, um, for, you know, I said I have six children. They're mostly all in the ministry at some level and aspect. I believe in the latter days, in this end time, um, and I believe the season has just come upon us. We just uh, crossed over the Hebraic New Year, and um, I believe we just stepped into the season of the Great Harvest. And my vision, particularly, is um, for the tent to get out into the highways and the hedges. I believe the harvest is going to happen outside the church, which is why we need to be um, all doing whatever we're capable of doing. There'll be some that, you know, and I honestly, I don't even see myself to be the preacher. I don't mind cooking the hot dogs and, you know, letting somebody preach, but it's about getting out into the highways and hedges. I know you have a beautiful downtown ministry where you feed um, the uh, poor, the less fortunate downtown, and that's really where it's at in this last day. Um, I believe there's um, going to be a great harvest before Jesus returns. Amen. And I got to tell you, um, Again, I have these pivotal moments where, and I, I'm driving down the road again, and the Spirit of the Lord uh, just revealed the scripture to me about, um, you know, where he says, where in the Bible, how it says, store not your treasures up on earth, uh-huh. where moth and rust corrupt, but store them in tre- uh, in heaven, store your treasure right. in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. And just as clear as, and he's, the Holy Spirit began to minister to me, and he said, um, you know, Obviously, it's possible to store treasure in heaven. And mm-hmm. so if in the Bible he's instructing us to do it, then by default you have to understand that there's some people that are not going to do it. Amen. And just by that alone lets me know that we're not all going to be living the same exact life in heaven. You know, we're right. all going to be living differently. Amen. And I don't hear a lot of preaching on this either, but the point of the story is this. This life, some people are given 20 years, 40, 60, 80. I mm-hmm. just uh, went to my husband's aunt was 95 when she passed. The years that you're given are simply an investment opportunity. That's good. And so yeah. that where you're going to reap is in the next life. This life is supposed to be about making sacrifices. And that's what an investment is, isn't it? If you have an mm-hmm. investment opportunity... And I, you know, he puts it very clearly like this. At the end, come fall comes, you might see two men working partners in a business, and they've got their same bunch at the end of the fall. 
and one person decides to take his family, take the apartment in Orlando for a month, uh, coming $10,000 now for apartment in Orlando mm-hmm. for the month, buy all oh their gosh. kids the Disney tickets out to eat every night. You're looking at twenty or $30,000 for a winter in Orlando. And one, is there sin in that? Absolutely not. There's no sin involved here. He earned his money, right? and he's spending his money how he chose to earn it. But right. if you see the other partner take that money and they and they recognize the investment opportunity. So they say to themselves, I'm going to sit home in the cold and ugly rain. I'm going to sit in the house and I'm going to see all my nieces and nephews go to Disney World while my kids sit and watch TV every night. You're making a sacrifice. Right. And at the time, it doesn't seem like you're winning. You have, That's even true. though you had the means to do what everybody else is doing, you made a decision because you saw an opportunity to make an investment. And mm-hmm. that's what this earth is when you have the ability to do what everybody else is doing. You know, it's like how you dress your kids. Well, my kids, you know, I can afford the designer stuff and they're skinny and they can wear the short skirts just as well as everybody else. But you make the decision, you know, I can take this money and buy myself a bag or I can, I can go give it to the poor somewhere else. You're making a decision to do without for the present time because you have faith to believe that you're making an investment that at another time is going to give you a a payback, a reward. There's a time where your investment and then, and so when he was showing me about heaven, he said, there's people that number one, never read the scripture. Or number two, read the scripture and just didn't apply it. And, but then there's a third Amen. group of people that do read the scripture and apply it, make decisions, you do things differently than the world does. Amen. Because I believe that I'm making an investment. And when we get to heaven, you know, there's other people that are, everybody's going to be there that's saved by the grace of Almighty God. And that's joyous. But I got so much faith in my life over there that I'm willing to sacrifice over here. Because this Amen. isn't where it's at. Amen. You know, this is a temporary situation. And like, just like uh, Bill was saying, you know, it's all about getting people saved. You know, more if that's your priority, those are investments. Every soul you led to the cross is an investment. Every time you ministered to somebody in despair, it's an investment. Every time you gave your finances to somebody in need, that's an investment. And it's all going to pay off. And and we're going to. You know, he talks about having treasure in heaven. Some people will have it and some people will not. They're there and that's beautiful. We're not going to be crying about it. But I got so much faith in that, you know, in the word of God that I'm willing to make the sacrifice here because I believe it's this life that I've been given is nothing but an investment opportunity. Mm, That's good. And I'm going to take my opportunity. Collect your reward. That's it. That's it. Well, Debbie, I've really enjoyed speaking to you today, and you've truly blessed Amen. us, and you've brought a lot of things out in a different way to us, and I've Amen. really enjoyed it, and I uh, appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this and supporting us in this. Amen. Amen. I had, I had a time. I enjoyed every one of you. It's my first podcast, and <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> it we'll was get fun you for another and, one. and very encouraging. We greatly appreciate you. Amen. The joy of Thank the Lord. Thank you. It was good to hear all your voices, too. <laughs> I miss you, Todd. We miss you, too, <laughs> Debbie. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I love, love you. you. Love, love you, you, too. God bless you.